Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. This episode of Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks is brought to you by Hobo Wolfman Records. Just go check out all the shit they got over at HoboWolfmanRecords.com. I don't know how many times I have to say it, but check out HoboWolfmanRecords.com. Hobo Wolfman Records. All kinds of crazy shit. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Hey there, and welcome to episode 15.5 of Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks. Yeah, episode 15 was a long time ago. I just put out episode 33 a few weeks ago. You should listen to it if you haven't already. But when I recorded episode 15 with John Bowman and John Bridges from Mystery School Records, I had like another hour of stuff recorded that I never did anything with, that I intended to get around to doing something with. Well, it's the end of the year. I don't have a new episode for you. I'm really taking a break until like a few weeks from now, you'll get a new, new episode of Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks. But in the meantime... I was sitting around today and I thought, oh shit, I can put out a bonus episode. I got enough stuff to put out a bonus episode with John Bridges and John Bowman of Mystery School Records. And since I never really got around to re-listening to this, I didn't realize I left a lot of really cool shit out of that episode. So here's episode 15.5. It's about another hour of talk and a little bit of music. And uh, it's pretty damn good. Some funny stuff here. Just to let you know, we were experiencing some audio issues, especially on John Bowman's side. Uh, that gets addressed at the very end of this. We talk about it a little bit. Also, by this point, we'd all had a little bit to drink. So, you know, keep that in mind. Now, I really don't want to talk too much leading up to this episode. Just, you know, if you haven't listened to episode 15, go listen to it. This kind of picks up sort of where that one leaves off. I don't know. It's It picks up with some more stuff after that episode. Also, go to mysteryschoolrecords.bigcartel.com to check out all the Mystery School releases. There's got to be some shit there that you want to order. If you haven't listened to episode 32 yet, John Bowman was on that episode as well. You should listen to that to hear what he's been up to. And honestly, I think that's about all I've got to say on this one. You may see another radio episode in the upcoming weeks, but I'll be back with interview episodes in about three or four more weeks. So hang tight. I've got some things in mind. I'm going to be sending out some emails here shortly and trying to get some guests lined up. It was a great first year. I'm really looking forward to doing a whole lot more of this in the upcoming year and beyond. Happy New Year's, everybody. I wonder where the benefit is in doing a, a split with someone that's in the same area that you're in because the same crowd's probably going to be buying the 7-inch. So who they right. buy it from, they're going to choose which band to buy it from. But if you do it with someone that's like from somewhere completely different, that actually kind of makes sense because then you can split up 300 of them and each of you can try to sell 150 of them to different people. <laughs> yeah. Man, if you, if you want my professional opinion, it's it's better to go outside the area. I mean, I, I, I think I, yeah, that as far as making that. a as, as far as making a really good piece of art goes, that's a good combination of bands. You know what I mean? Making a good record that people want to listen to. Yeah. So I'm not telling you not do it. 
It might be yeah, worth it. It might I actually end up being more worth it. It might be, you know, it might be the opposite issue, but but there is something about getting your stuff in another area and getting somebody else to work their angle on it and get it sold, you know. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that angle, but there's that part of me that's like, well, we talked about this forever. Maybe we should just do it and just whatever. <laughs> just do it and say we did it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to steer you. I'm just telling you a different thing. But I'm thinking about like the split War Boys did with Tomcat's Torpedo Band. Man, one thing that hurt that is that all of 2019, man, it was hard for us to do shows because mm. all the problems we had, personal problems in all of our lives, you know, health yeah. and uh, stuff really kicked us in the ass. And the same thing was kind of going on with Tom, you know. I, I just don't think there was much going on in Chattanooga in the first place. And then he's also, you know, he was battling cancer for, I think, eleven years, man. You know, and yeah. I, I know that I know that he had like times where things were better or worse and whatnot and stuff. But I mean, still an issue, you know. And he got really frustrated sometimes, you know, with, with how hard it is to get things to move these days because it wasn't always like that you know yeah. it's, it's really hard to grab somebody's attention oh it is it's really hard you know i, I think it is better to try to do something with somebody outside your area but in y'all's case it, it might be the opposite it might be more it might just be super successful because it's the both of y'all you know well i i don't think it'll be super successful i think it will be personally satisfying to do it with with someone that goes back as far as mike does with with us me and eric not, 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 not that it'll be commercially successful anyway, but we're the bet. The best bet for selling more of them is to split it up between two different areas. And I've already, I, I know that. I mean, I know that. <laughs> Man, I would consider something a success if it moved three hundred copies in two years. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Or something, and that's that's not a success I enjoy. <laughs> I would say it's not a success by any stretch of the imagination. But for me, you know, we we, we lower our expectations expectations because we know what the scene is like we know what the area is like we know what the fan base is like and we know what it's like for music for buying music these days nobody buys music you can be a huge band and you're not going to sell as many records now as you did 20 years ago yeah man malcolm ten that's i wanted to get around talking to him because me and john have a relationship with him you know malcolm ten of mm-hmm. tpos records and now a member of and you know and i seen ally for a really long time and now member of the band there's a lot to be learned about hearing him talk about his time being a, a record label man and mm-hmm. record store owner and things and yeah man i think a lot of us man we got involved in this music making thing some of us had expectations that were not unrealistic for a certain time period mm-hmm. that happened to be unrealistic for our own time period yes yeah. I don't really have those as far as being an under, underground band. Well, man, I mean, you know, kind of like getting into music and deciding to be in bands and stuff in the nineties. So, you know, that's when I decided I'm yeah. going to be in a band. Man, I, uh, there was a lot of dreaming and fantasizing stuff where I started picking up guitars. But in the nineties, you know, yeah. I just felt like, man, as long as you did this, you were good. You could have some success, you know. And that's kind of the way it's described by Malcolm. You know, you could you have a good time making records back then, and you know people were people were ready to gobble it up. Mm. And I get that, and I, and I remember that time too. But I also remember that I learned pretty quickly that with the kind of music we played, it was never going to be like gobbled up by the masses anyway. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, again, like I say, man, when I say gobbled it up, I'm talking there about was an audience. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm talking about, I don't know, it's just, I'm just throwing silly little numbers out there. I'm just saying, well, you know, selling a few, few hundred copies in a year or two yeah, success. Exactly. And, and But the things have changed as well over the past 10 years going from where you would sell, actually sell physical copies of, of albums to where now it's harder to sell physical copies. So the measure of success, even in the past 10 years, has just changed. So like between now and 25 years ago, I guess I'm just saying that, you know, I just gave up on all, any aspirations of that a long, long, long time ago because I've been I in think it for the a best long bet time. for a seven inch is to team up with somebody who um, you like that's good and then you split the terrible cost of putting out a record. That's, that's pretty uh, much what we, the way that's we, the way to do it. Yeah, that's the way we look at it is, well, okay, if we do it with Trash Room, then we only have to pay for half of it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> if we do it with That's somebody great. that lives in, you know, in California, we only have to pay half of it, but maybe it'll sell a little bit better. Maybe more of those 300 will sell rather than, you know, we're just selling them to the same area. Man, well, uh, you could you could have the phenomena that we had uh with the Rape Goat 7-inch where I had a closet full of them and I I had them for sale on the internet and I saw a listing on uh Discogs for the Rape Goat Barbados split that said mm. rare and it was like $17. But I had them for $6 on the website. <laughs> on Digital Warfare Records, which uh, is, I believe, owned by uh, Bobby Gunstrom and yep. Donnie Paycheck Zeke. from Zeke. Yep. That one sold out. And, man, it's been kind of ridiculous on Discogs, man. That was kind of surprising to see. You know, but that one makes sense. But, man, the one John's talking about, I mean, we, that shit happens from time to time with some of the stuff we've done. Like, some somebody will have one. They'll be selling it. They'll have it marked up good because they know that you can't just go and buy that thing right away because it's been out of print or something. Yeah. Is, a lot of people are selling discos to do some homework, and they'll find out. You know, some of them I have in my closet though. 
if you want to buy a Mystery Skull album, check with me before you buy it from some hack on Discord. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've, me to- I've learned that too. And actually, uh, there's there's a CD I, I finally I actually bought off of Amazon used for like two bucks plus shipping. It came it was like six dollars total. But on Discogs, they wanted 20 bucks for it. And I was like, well, shit, I know the drummer for that band. Let me hit him up. And he said he didn't have any more. The last one he bought was off of Amazon. So I went and looked on Amazon. And I was like, holy shit, they're like all over here for like, you know, five bucks or less. And Discogs nice. wants 20 bucks for it. <laughs> or the per- the person that has it listed on Discogs. I'll say that because, like, I've got a Bloody Mary cassette that if I go and look at it on Discogs, somebody wants $60 for that thing. And it, mine sounds like shit. I wouldn't sell it for $60. <laughs> <laughs> I seen you've been hunting down some old stuff. I have been. I really have been. I'll get. I'll, I'll start researching something, and I'll find. You know, I'll find everything online where I can like just download the whole thing, and then I'll look it up on Discogs and go, "Well, shit, I can afford to buy that, so I'll get it." And then there's a couple of things like that. That uh, Grand Prix that I got the other day. That's um, Mike Benson from Trash Room. He recorded that, but um, the bass player from One Three Four is in that band. There's a lot of history there, and so I, I I wanted to buy that anyway, and I just found it and got it. And then the dude happened to be in a band that we played with a few years ago, and he's like, "I remember you. I'm sending you some extra shit." <laughs> so he he lost money on it because I paid like eight bucks for it, and it cost him over eight dollars to ship it to me. So I'm just gonna send him some stuff in return. I know how this works. <laughs> Man, uh, I'm thinking about them Street Clones releases. Oh, we got a few of them. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, I think uh, I think it was the t- the recording session for the two seven inches. Oh yeah, eight, uh, eight, Jordan, eight minutes. I'm just gonna say eight minutes. Oh, okay, <laughs> I think I can do an eight minute story here. And then we're, then we're either done or we do it one more time. I'm willing to do it one more at least. God damn, but I'm not like... upset. With <laughs> well, just go ahead. I gotta pee. Hurry up. <laughs> okay, so uh, so uh, I went down and recorded Street Clones album down there in Wilmington, you know. I don't remember what year it was, but it went well. It was fun. It was a real impromptu thing, just like set up in the smallest room possible and do it and have a good time, and it was a good time. And uh, on my little scale, you know, where I say all my records go tenfold or whatever, you know, uh, Street Phones record definitely went tenfold, man. People liked it. <laughs> things. And we had a positive response, you know. It was good. It was fun. Yeah. So it come time to do some more recordings. They wrote some more songs. John told me it'd probably be for a couple seven inches or something like that he had planned. And Jordan actually came with me on this trip. We came out here with and this is part of what makes this a really fun trip because A, he took half the stress off of me, you know, and he was a drum tech and stuff and he helped with the recording. So it did more of a good and hanging out and all. But it made one of my better records ever. <clears throat> Gotta go pee. <laughs> Fuck you, man. I'll just tell you about it, John. He can cut it in like I'm talking to him. (laughs) Shit. Yeah, man. Jordan coming down there was, uh, helped make that a real fun time, man. And I think that's when we went to see Dirty Fences, and that was a good show to go see. Dirty Fences was good as hell. Yeah. Man, April's a big fan of them to this day. I I really don't check them out no more, but she's still really well into me. She went to see them in Charlotte when they came through at one time. They're a really good band. Totally. Yeah, that's part of what, 
Man, I talked to them and they didn't rub me the wrong way or nothing, but I mean, I think they're from New York, so you can just imagine the dudes that they might carry with them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I figured but, uh, you could keep that going long enough. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I was, was like, I got to about... pee real bad. I'm going to go while he's talking. <laughs> you, you didn't really miss nothing. Uh, yeah. But man, one of, I was just saying, one of the things that made that weekend special was my brother came with me and I took half the recording and engineering load off of me. And then also, we went to a show, seen a band that night, uh, Dirty Fences, which is a pretty good band. I've heard that. And uh, had a really good time at that. And then we had a good time just hanging out at John's afterwards. Yeah. Well, you, and, uh, you know I can go back and listen to this, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was all recorded. <laughs> you don't have to repeat it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I'm eating the time up. You eating up time now? Correct me. We got like we got like uh, f- almost five minutes. Okay, yeah, John, I, talk about something interesting. I'm trying to. I was trying to work my way around to it. For y'all, told me I was repeating myself. So <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> man, uh, I, I just want to say, man, it was just an all around good time. I think it it translates to how good that record sounds. Yeah, and the performances are so good. Everything was so low stress. You know, and the time it was a hangout. It was a good hangout time. Yeah, you know, that's that's one of my favorite times making records. Yeah, if you want to talk about the label and everything. Yeah, well, I enjoyed them when, when we made that Van Huskins record. That was a good hangout time too. That was maybe a little bit too much hangout time. <laughs> it was a little too good, but that was that was a good time. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I've said it before, and I'll I'll maintain that we we probably did just like have such a good time. Like we we got new friends, and you know you already know them enough yeah. to trust them and then you do want a real hard get to know you phase yeah it kind of results in a lot of partying and hanging out and laughing and stuff it's kind of hard kind of hard to get down to business you know we, we, we did but. we did and that's a damn good record i'm i'm just i'm gonna say that damn, damn good record really damn good record man i think i i think i could remix it one day and it'd, it'd be even better because i mean i, I told you uh, my only one problem with i talked to you i was learning that i was learning reaper at the time yeah my only problem with the whole thing is is Ben's snare drum, and we can't fix that post unless he re-records his whole drums. But that's that's it is what it is, and you know, I, I'm it's not that big of a deal to me. It's not a big. It's actually it's not a deal at all to me. Man, Jordan told me before he left, and I had something I should probably do to that snare drum, and I couldn't remember it the next day, so I didn't push it, and it sounded fine to me at mm-hmm. the time. So. Well, and none of us noticed it at the time. But I'll bear some of the blame for that, man. I probably should have tried to pay a little more attention to see what he might have been talking about. Maybe try to remember, but it just it just rattled too much. It was we we none of us noticed it until it was too late. I mean, I tell you this, Mike that that session was a lot like what we used to do, in, you know, with all the mystery school stuff that I recorded. You know what I mean? Like when we did uh, rape goat. It was in the smallest ass little room in a trailer, you know. Yeah. We, I think we talked about this last time. And then yeah. King Size Killers, which was a, a good, you know, really great sounding thing, and and really, like I said, a professional time. It was still done like that, you know, just like what I've called guerrilla recording yeah. in the past. You know, you bring in some uh, mobile gear and you set it up and you go to town. You just do the thing, you know. And then in the end, if you have any flaws with it, it's just, it's a, it comes with the territory. It's not got to be perfect because none of us are shooting for perfect anyway. If we were, we wouldn't be playing what we're playing. Exactly. <laughs> 
the same time, a damn good job is done playing. You know, there's no embarrassing bullshit on any of them records. Oh, no. People always played great, even if, you know, there were sound flaws because it was just done the way we could do it at the time. You know, it's doing it the way you can do it's a lot better than being like, oh, well, you know, I can't can't do it exactly right, so I'll not do it, you know, which I'm actually getting more into these days, unfortunately, but I, but I have a lot of other circumstances on me, you know, a lot more responsibilities these days, so yeah. I can just up and do hey, stuff. And, I've got yeah, old. Let me, let me get one minute. Yeah, yeah you, you got, got one minute. You got one minute. Get it. Get <laughs> let me it, tell man. you about this record. So we don't uh, we don't go out of our way to produce sleazy, trashy records, mm-hmm. but I don't really shy away from sleazy, trashy things because I, I basically enjoy them. Um, so we were able to put out the uh, shit can dirt bag, <laughs> good times roll. Yeah. Album, which is Dwayne Rollick from Murder Junkies. He's the Murder Junkies guitar player. When he's not doing things with Murder Junkies, uh, he lives in Florida. He does all kinds of cool shit. He put together a band down there, and he made this album that he wanted to put out with us. Uh, and it is an absolute kick-ass barn burner of a southern punk rock record. Uh, I actually do still have a few copies of that as well. Um, and... Uh, Oh shit! <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> you just knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's like it's less than a minute. So there's no way. Hey, <laughs> I, I tried to go in a minute. I didn't want to be like the micro machines guy. <laughs> I, I can always like I can always piece it together here though. Like I, I just cut right. this middle part out and be like, <laughs> it was a barn burner of a record, and then you pick back up, and John's John's <laughs> joining now, so. There he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> hey, uh, Mike, do you realize who the brains of this operation is oh, already, haven't you? I, I, I've known Matt for a while. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, anyway, anyway. Yeah, it's definitely John Bridges, dude. Man, uh, I, I want him to get back to that shit can dirt bag thing. That's the thing I want to talk to you, too. But, man, while I'm thinking it, man, John, I'm telling you, I've probably said to you many times, my life is forever enriched by meeting you. <laughs> and it's well, all your thanks. fault for reaching out. <laughs> it's all your fault for reaching out. John, it's all John, my if fault. You, if you die before me, I'm going to talk at your funeral. And what I'm going to say is he left a wake of friends in his path. Well, a wake of friends. Yeah, man, for real. Well, if somebody got a problem with you, they're the they're the dickhead, no doubt about it. <laughs> if you if I die before you and you speak at my funeral, I'm going to have a directive that someone stand in the back with a sign that says, Stop fucking talking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It, it would be totally warranted. Yeah, man. Don't let me tell too much. Uh, yeah, life stories. So I, I'm, I apologize that every time I speak on here, it sounds like I'm doing a commercial for a Mystery School Records album. <laughs> but John doesn't give me a lot of room to get uh, <laughs> a, a, a jab in. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I already know this thing's got to be edited out of hell. So I just like, I'm just like, all right, man, let's just make sure we get. Talking about, you know, <laughs> I'm shutting up now. 
you make my job you make you make my job harder <laughs> you make yeah you're giving him a terrible wasteland of clips to go through <laughs> i don't care man it's a, it's a, it all works yeah man seriously though i'm gonna turn to you for a little while john i'm gonna shut the hell up and i, I want to get to at list a little bit just at least talk about like I don't know. Some, feel like I was focused for a second because I was bad off last see, week. So you can go back into your commercial, and I'll figure out where to splice the two of them together. <laughs> right. Well, we were talking about shit can dirt bag. Yeah. Uh, Good times roll CD, which is an absolutely excellent piece of southern punk rock, which I probably already said, but. Um, Another amazing thing about this record is that it has a very cool cover by Jamie Vita, who we mm-hmm. um, may have mentioned is a oh, yeah. singer for a lot of cool bands. He also played guitar in Chica Negra, etc. He's an incredible artist. He did the cover art for the Street Clones Strange But True CD. Yeah. He's done a lot of really great anti-scene art, t-shirts, uh, album covers, comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, it was really cool to be involved with him for the first time on this project with a very cool comic panel of complete debauchery. Yeah. Sometimes people seek us out and it's not, uh, necessarily, certainly not a bad thing, but, uh, it almost feels like, you know, we don't, um, we're not selective because we're a, some sort of secret society. We just don't have the money to do a lot of things. So then when someone comes to us and we're, we want to do it, we're trying to scramble and figure out how we can do it because somehow it's become bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And people that we respect want to do things with us. Like um, the way that we first got to do an anti-scene release on Mystery School Records even though John was in the band and we were involved in the label, we were really never a contender for an anti-scene release. There were a lot; they were involved with a lot of labels and doing a lot of things mm-hmm. um, that were, you know, beyond our scope. But there was this one uh, bootleg album uh, that I got a copy of from uh, their 2010 tour when John was playing with them. And it was the uh, live at Rebel Sound Music Store in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I think I got it from Malcolm Tent. Um, the copy that I have uh, was mistakenly credited to him because there's two recordings. There was the Malcolm's recording, and then there was um, another recording. Anyhow, I got in touch with Jeff Clayton, and I was like, hey, there's this bootleg. I really like it. Can we do some kind of like live bootleg mm-hmm. thing, maybe a series? And so we started with the live at Rebel Sound. I didn't edit the, We didn't edit it in any way. I just released it exactly as the bootleg tape. It sold out. People were pretty excited about it. I was absolutely ready to do anti-scene mystery school records live bootleg series volume two mm-hmm. when uh jeff you know approached me and was like hey let's uh let's release a cd we're doing vinyl on tko now but they're not trying to do cds anymore really mm-hmm. so uh we're wide open for cds and that's when we first got the the opportunity to uh put out that we're number one yeah. cd yeah and, and start doing uh, CDs with the anti-scene, which is uh, kind of a mind-blowing thing for me as a fan. Yeah. Uh, actually, I guess uh, 
I guess Obstinate was the first one that we did, which is even more incredible because it's um, a brand new studio album after a long time of not doing studio albums mm-hmm. that we got to do the CD release for that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've known Jeff for a long time. John was in the band for a long time. Uh, while we were doing the label together, we never released anything during that period. So it's kind of cool to have been involved with someone that literally seeing anti-scene inspired me to start the band that created the label. Now I get to be involved with them, not just as like a fanboy starstruck and drunk and acting stupid at a show, but like actually able to contribute in a positive way. <laughs> Pretty rewarding. I'm glad you started talking about that too. Cause that was one thing I, I meant to ask you last week and we never got around to it. And this week I hadn't even thought about it was like how did the anti-scene thing come about you just answered that question because i know now like even the the live the, the yeah. live in japan you released that on mystery school as well correct uh yeah so you know once we did the uh i'm looking at my shelf up here to get my chronology right uh you know we did we did our live at rebel sound which was a big success mm-hmm. and then we did the obstinate cd then we did the weird number one yeah uh then the Dying Breed album came out, which uh, TKO has the vinyl of all these albums. Um, some are sold out, I think, but uh, you know they're they're still available on vinyl. Um, most of them we have right now. Dying Breed is temporarily out of print, but I'm it's I'm waiting for it to be delivered to my house on CD uh, to give to the band and to have my copies to be back in stock. Um, and also, uh, that's a great EP too. It's a great, it's a great EP. That one was really cool to be involved with. My favorite moment with the involvement in that EP is that I had heard it, I knew about it. I went to a barbecue in Raleigh before an anti scene gig. Yeah. And uh, Clayton was there. All the guys were there. You know, Russ and and Barry and uh, Gooch and uh, the guys that it, it was Kiff. And um, all the Raleigh like crew, all these dudes who just like had no idea that this anti scene album was about to come out mm. with their bands on it. Yeah. And uh, and that was such a cool uh, you know cool moment. Um, the way that they paid uh, tribute to all of bands that influenced them and bands that they were uh, really close to. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Of and uh, you know with covering self made monsters as well on there. Um, for people who were kind of uh, close to the situation, uh, Dying Breed is like one of the one of the sweetest, uh, most spectacular anti-scene releases. Oh yeah, been very glad to uh, you know be able to make that available. Yeah, I love that one. That was, that was so good. <clears throat> man, uh, I got a second all the Dying Breed love. Man, that was a good. It was a good one to be involved in. Yeah, and I, I tried to bail out on one of the things I did for that. <clears throat> I was asked to do a solo on that song "Crazy Horses," and I tried to bail out of it. Mm-hmm. I even tried to suggest other people because I was like, "Man, I don't think I can do that." <laughs> and I was just basically told, "Not you." Like it was like you don't have a choice. Like, <laughs> so I did it, and I'm glad I did. You know, excellent solo. Oh yeah. That record sticks out to me because of that experience. I like that. Yeah. Well, I think anytime uh, people who might not 
understand, if a person thinks they understand anti-scene and maybe they don't, or if a person doesn't understand anti-scene and they're trying to, then they're going to hear anti-scene cover the Osmonds. Mm -hmm. There you go. And either it's all going to come together yeah. and they're going to be like, oh man, I finally like see what this band is all about. I see what they've been trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. Uh, or they're absolutely never going to get it. Exactly, I, I agree with that sentiment one hundred percent. Yeah, and that's an incredible that's an incredible cover of, of oh, yeah. frankly, uh, an incredible song. Incredible song. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just cool that that band is the band that's covering it. And it makes yeah, it, exactly, it makes perfect exactly. sense if you know the band, but if you don't, you know, it still makes it's it's just cool. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, Carried off uh, fantastically from start to finish. I think John's back with us. I think we lost him for a second. We're almost yeah, lost him. It, my, I think my service just dipped out a second. All right. So, what else we want to talk about? Man, I don't know. I'm open for anything, but right now I'm I've, I finally shut the hell up and having a good time listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike, I'm working on a zine, and I, I kind of fucked up in that I started working on a zine mm -hmm. like a couple of years ago. Yeah, and then there was a hurricane. Uh, Florence, you know, whatever, and I kind of stopped working on a zine, but then when I came back, I just never started back. Yeah. And so, I don't know, like, you're a person who actually edits podcasts and records podcasts and creates zines and does all this work, and uh, I've been sitting on basically a finished issue of a zine for a couple of years, and I really just need to kick myself in the ass and do it. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm asking other than, like, why are you so productive? I really don't know. Um, I came up with this idea a couple of years ago, like, doing the, the, the podcast. The zine was – the zine is an old idea that, that only came back into focus whenever somebody suggested reusing that name for the podcast. But the, the podcast – I came up with the idea for, and I never had the motivation to get it done until late last year. And then all of a sudden it came into focus. A lot of different reasons why that is the case, but I, I really don't know. If you're looking for motivation for me, I, I don't know how to tell you to do it. Because I, I just recently started writing issue four of Gabba Gabba Huh, <clears throat> the second issue since I restarted it. And I'm having a really hard time finding the motivation to do it. So if you're looking for me to give you motivation, I don't know that I'm the right person, because it's it's a lot of work for for very little return. Well, you seem like a guy who has your plate full, so I don't know if it's lack of motivation or just you know, yeah, you, you have to, sometimes you have to stop juggling one thing, yeah, uh, to get to some other things. But for me, it's it's been uh, hardcore procrastination. I've actually I'm back onto it. I'm. The fact that I'm talking about it out loud means that I have to do it now. Um, all the people who've been involved in it, it's an interview zine that I made with um, a lot of people I knew who were involved in sort of uh, 
punk and metal bands that mm-hmm. were also fans of the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so I've interviewed uh, a lot of people about that, and uh, I just got this thing, and I got to put it together. I have an interview for Mike Dean from COC. Yeah. Um, I think I've told you about all this when I talked to you last, but uh, Chris Reeford, the drummer from Autopsy, mm-hmm. uh, I interviewed him as well, and uh, all these people were super excited to talk about the Grateful Dead with me because, you know, people in the punk and metal scene typically don't want to talk about the Grateful Dead. Yeah. And, and have anything I'm, to do with it whatsoever. I'm a, I'm a part so of that. Was, I used to be a part of that, but I'm actually, I'm actually a part of the, 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 the um, scene now that, that appreciates the Grateful Dead. So if you ever do a second issue of that, maybe I'll talk to you. I'm working on a second issue and I would love to talk to you. Uh, and it's, it, it's really wild how, um, you know the people I have been able to to, to contact, um, famous Grateful Dead fans uh, like Greg Ginn are not really available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and apparently, uh, is it Lee Ronaldo from Sonic Youth? Yeah, I think he might be a Grateful Dead fan, um, but you know he's not answering emails because yeah. he's busy doing yeah. whatever Lee Ronaldo does. <laughs> but honestly, if you want, if you want, if you want, like so, so if you want the answer to that, no, um, I, I don't have. I don't know if there's a motivation for it. the The motivation for for getting the whole thing off the ground in the first place was the the podcast. It was an is an old idea. I really wanted to do it. We need a local podcast. We need something that talks about local music, North Carolina music, and then that grew into South Carolina music too. But it, it makes sense because of the people that are involved. There's so many, so much crossing over. But um, yeah, absolutely. The zine came into focus when I decided on the name of the podcast, and honestly, it's just the fact that nobody does really any kind of coverage of our little corner of the scene, and I don't even like to call it punk rock because it's not just punk rock. It's like a yeah, it's a heavier rock scene, but it doesn't fit with the mainstream. It it wouldn't play on radio, so it doesn't get the the no the notoriety it should or, or the coverage not notoriety the coverage that it should um and I even now like maybe sorry i was saying i think coverage and notoriety might be what you're getting at because uh that's kind of why we started doing our thing as well yeah i mean if nobody else is going to promote it then then we've got to promote it a little bit more ourselves right and absolutely and as a band you can only do so much so we need something a little bit more than that and i had the idea so i decided i was going to do it and so that's the podcast and the zine and the zine is 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 really i'm going to keep it going but that's that's the one part of it that's like not as much fun to me because i don't i don't (laughs) mind writing but when it comes to like putting it all together and then making copies of it and everything if, if i could get that done cheaply like somebody else do it all for me i'd be all for it but it's a matter of me sitting down and gluing everything together and then making copies of it and then doing it well, all, of it, all the work. I but, appreciate that motivation because literally the layout and the physical layout and the copying is the only thing I have left. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've formatted everything. I've printed all the parts. Yeah. All I have to do is physically... Well, I'm gonna old. I'm gonna glue it together, yeah. and then I'm gonna take it and copy and do all that shit. But you know what? Like that is the thing that 
just makes me not want to open the giant envelope with all the parts because I'm like, man. (laughs) That's the worst part of it. And if if I could afford to just have somebody else do it all for me, but I just can't unless I want to charge a lot for this thing, and and then people aren't going to want to buy it. So what's the point in doing it? So. Well, I'll do, I'll get do 50 copies at a time myself and, and, and do it that way. You're doing a great job. I'm going to buy copies of all of your zines if you still have <laughs> copies of all your your recent releases. Cause, well, the, um, you'll get copies of everything, and the next one that comes out will be pretty much exclu- exclusively through, like I guess, mail order. Because there's not going to be, oh, I guess record stores are open again. For now, sort of, yeah. Well, we'll see how so, long that we'll see how long that lasts because I just honestly yeah. feel like the 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 deaths are rising every day. So yeah. we're probably going back to another shutdown. Anyway, so the next one will be pretty much exclusively mail order, and then eventually it'll be distributed again, like it was, and hopefully in a better way. I don't know. I, I want to take it a little bit bigger if, if it's going to keep going the way it's going to go, but I'm going to need some more help to do that. And that's going to be other people writing, other people doing stuff. Because I can't cover, I can't cover scenes I have no interest in. I'm not going to do it justice. Yeah, but I want to take it in that direction eventually. Bigger the better. Yeah, I mean, I want to do something that's just music focused in Charlotte or, or for the Carolinas in general. Man, Mike, you made my dream come true doing that stuff. Though, seriously, man, it's like I don't know. I almost feel like it is a bad thing if you got some money spent on advertising stuff. You got some success, or otherwise you don't. You know? Yeah. The otherwise you don't could always be there's somebody doing something that they love doing that will aid your stuff along. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you just like done that for a lot of us by doing the Gabby Get Behind thing and, and doing it so much and so often. You know, it is, it makes a difference, man. I'm telling you. I mean, to me, is a difference. Anything as small as a spike in the damn plays I see we've had online. I know yeah. it's from something. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've had a, a nice nice increase, you know, since you've been doing this. Just, you know what I mean? Like, you're making people interested and in realizing that shit ain't got to be some shit billions of dollars are spent on or whatever the hell, you know, to make yeah. a perfect record or whatever. The better stories are down there with the real people. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. good. Well, and if it's making a difference, that's, that's great. But, I mean, even just and, – and I really love – the fact that I've taken this in the direction of doing things like the, the, the single that you did and then doing the one with Wilma and then doing the one that I just released today with true Lilith. I mean, it's, it's kind of branching out a little bit further than what I originally expected anyway. So while I was just saying that about getting other people to write about different kinds of scenes, I'm already sort of branching out a little bit anyway, but the fact that we're doing these like release things, it's, you know, I like the fact that it's mutually beneficial for, the bands and for the the podcast as well so that's it's a lot of fun for me just being able to do this and being able to help bands find another avenue to promote things especially when you can't play shows so at least hey here's this podcast you can listen to we, we don't have any shows to promote but here's a podcast listen to this we're on this podcast man uh i think that's where you know mystery school thing and the gabba gabba huh thing goes together you know it ain't about making any money necessarily or nothing you know if that comes along and welcome it you know but otherwise it's, you're doing it for the cause and it's a lot of what can we do for each other to make something even greater than both of us have yeah you know, that's that's really a lot of what mystery school deals are oh yeah i need to be 
involved. You know, we scraped together some money and bands did and put out some stuff, you know, but it was always like joint efforts and this and that. You know, we offered something really big that would otherwise be expensive and much more important. So it's just, you know, you got the same spirit, man. It's like you believe in the people around you, so you're doing things for them and it's helping them right along. It's awesome. And that's a good thing. I mean, just from the time that my whole involvement in the music scene, almost 30 years now, a lot of it's all been about the greater good, the the what's better for the scene, what helps promote the scene the best. And that's why we did Gabba Gabba Hub back in 1996, 97. We wanted to promote the scene for what it was worth. We wanted to do a zine and, and, and do something that was not just about the accidents at the time, something now that's not just about Van Huskins, but something that I hope that Van Huskins can benefit from something that at the time that I hope the accidents could benefit from. But, you know, even if that zine turned into making war boys, a huge band or a bigger band, and it didn't do a damn thing for Van Huskins, it's all going to be worth it because I helped a friend out and helped them do something bigger and better. Not that that's happened, but I'm just saying as an example. <laughs> hey, man, this might be a little unrelated, but not to me, it's a related topic of what you're talking about. But John influenced me, and this is something that should have been a no-brainer to me anyways, but you know, find some artists that you're really into, and come some do your record, see what they can do for you. you, know. yeah. you know, man, there's a lot of excellent artists out there that will not cost you an arm and a leg to get some fantastic artwork from that, you know, really good artwork. And that's something I'm, yeah. I'm just more recently waking up to. Because me and Jordan do a lot of artwork together, you know, over the years and everything. You know, we know what all goes into it. Man, I think that, like, it can result in some good things if you find some good people, like ones that like, we've talked about before. You know, give them a bit of money and get some really fantastic visual stuff to go along with your art. But at the same time, man, the stuff that's generated by the bands is every much as good most of the time, man. It's pretty good, pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, man, the uh, cassette tapes you got. What's that? The cassette tapes, the new one. Oh, yeah. It, I like that art a lot, man. Yeah, Eric actually, I think it, on the cassette tape, Eric did the he did the bear and he like it was i think he stenciled it on the wall of the building out behind his house and then he just took a picture of it and sent it to me he said use this and then, uh, yeah. then, then i had to work with that which so it was a, it was a combination of me and eric doing the, the art which is nice. the way it works me and eric work together to, to he'll come up with something and i'll come up with something and then i'll do the layout for it and figure out a way to make it all work Man, there ain't been like one time that John Cohen would release and I saw the art for it and I was like, wow, that's not really good or something. Like, yeah, every time it's like something, I'm like, well, that's interesting looking, you know. It's important to me, the art, man. That's that's kind of a resurgence thing for me, man. I got lost in digital age for a while. Where it's just like, I'll just listen to something, however you can hear it, who cares about the art connected to it or whatever, you know. Yeah. But, that visual things become really important to me this time goes on. I like it. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything, but it's got to at least look good. I mean, and one thing I like about the stuff that we do is that 
like the cassette artwork doesn't really look all that professional or anything, but it, it looks like it looks punk rock. <laughs> that's, that's 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 me. Man, it's got a little punk it, rock. It's got to look looks... some somewhat kind of like somebody fucking did this. It wasn't mass produced. Somebody made this shit. <laughs> but it's real disciplined looking, you know. It don't it don't look sloppy and stuff. Man. Yeah. It's great. I do spend a lot of time on that stuff. I enjoy I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy I really enjoy just just the the technical aspect of it all, which is one reason why doing the podcast is not a problem for me. I enjoy it. I, putting it together, editing it. It's sometimes a pain in the ass, but overall, I enjoyed the whole process. Man, I'm going to hush again. I don't hear from John again. Yeah, we're going to have probably another 10-minute warning here soon, so if there's anything we yeah. have to finish up. Well, I was just trying to think if there's anything else uh, super exciting and fun to talk about. Well, one thing we did um, not talk about. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say some real some real talk here though is that you know I, I wonder how many bands are going to survive 2020 you know 2021 yeah. comes around and we still haven't played any shows there's going to be some bands that just aren't don't exist anymore hopefully we're, Man, we're might, not among those I don't think we will be I think it might be a bunch coming out the gate hungry as hell after this though you know? I mean, a lot of people like want to see some music there's going to be a lot of uh, open mic nights after this I, that's all yeah. I can see <laughs> People at home that think they're good at music now. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people like, oh, I don't need to play with my band anymore. I can play my acoustic guitar and do just fine. Uh, well, they'll get by the wayside soon enough. I hope so. I mean, no, no, no offense to it. I mean, I, I appreciate it. And, and for some people, that's that works because that's the style of music they play. But if that's the future of music, then count me out, man. <laughs> count me out. I'll go to an open mic night as a solo vocalist who, by his own account, cannot sing. <laughs> I thought about doing something, but I wouldn't be doing acoustic. If I was going to do something, I'd rig up a little vocal mic and an amp and like, just play with my guitar tone like I might do a show. Yeah. But I'd probably like, I don't know, I don't know what songs I would do. I'd probably do some covers and stuff, I hope. And get popped online, but I don't think I will do any of that. I wouldn't. Yeah. I didn't do that kind of thing before. I, I, just, I don't think it's necessary. I don't, I don't really think it's necessary. If I could do it with my band, that would be one thing. But I don't want to do it by myself. Like I'm inspired to do it, but I just don't think I'll get. I don't think. I don't think I'll get much satisfaction out of it. No, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. I'd rather just sit here and record something on this Zoom recorder, and then uh, put it out and let people hear it than to get on yeah. that line and try to play by myself and embarrass myself. You mean you don't want to stoke and or masturbate your ego on the internet? <laughs> well, it's not. I, well, I'm <laughs> no not going to say that. Like, I, that's not going to put that out as a blanket statement because, because some people just play by themselves anyway. <laughs> some people do play with themselves. It's okay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. I do too. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for this call to be over with so I can do that again in a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> well, too much information. I don't care. <laughs> Mike, you're awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> listening to us ramble about shit. We got four and a half minutes. Yeah, I'm going to go right now because I got a tinkle. All right. I think, but, honestly, like I said, I think I've got plenty to work with. And yeah, I'm sure you have. got more than enough. Hey, man. I've already decided, like, half of this is getting cut out. We're talking, and I'm going, this is not going in there. No, no. Hey, yeah, man. Yeah, I hope. Yeah.
Hey, before either of y'all go, I'd like to say if just the two of y'all want to get together sometime and have a good talk without me drinking too much and shit, we probably we will do that on good time. <laughs> we will we'll do that at some point. When when I've got something new to to uh, contribute to the conversation, and when I get a little yeah, bit man, better I've at this whole time again. My, my my thing is I gotta get better about having questions ready to ask that when the conversation lulls where I can go. Whoa, how did you come up with the name Street Clones? Because I never think it to ask that question. Like I'm true Lilith, I should have asked, how'd you come what where does that name come from? I didn't. So I'll save that for next time I talk to them. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah, I can man, get you over should here with do Street Clones. <laughs> yeah, well you need to talk to Wes. This is a good guy, man. Hey, what a what a good guitar player too, man. Good sounds, good amps and good guitars he plays. Well, here's a pretty he's, good idea. He's a man that believes in quality. Here's a pretty good idea. When all this shit's over with and we can go out and play shows again, Van Huskins needs to come to Wilmington and play a show, and yes. we need to do a Street Clones episode. That sounds great, and, uh, you know, all you have to do is say the word, and you can come here anytime. Hell yeah, we're going to do it. I, I've been wanting to do it anyway. When this is over with, we're going to do it. Yeah, it may never be over with, but we can still do it. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll still do it. We'll do it <laughs> when 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 things get a little bit better. <laughs> yes, when when, when we can way. move again. Yeah. Well, good night, gentlemen. Yep. See you later, John. Thanks for coming out. See you, man. Thanks for joining. Coming out, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yes, here I am. <laughs> All right, John. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> To leave me, funny. Oh shit! Now you disappeared. It's just me. Oh wait, maybe you're now you're still there. You're back. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm still here. You disappeared for a second, like it just completely took you off my screen. Yeah, I think my signal got bad for a second. Well, it's it's been bad this whole time. But <laughs> my phone's burning up. For- Oh, that's, dude, that's one thing about this like when we're, when we're recording sometimes I'm sitting here going man I, I know John's saying some really important stuff right here and I can pick it out but sometimes I'm like there's no way I can use that because it, it comes through really bad and I know you can't do yeah. anything about that man I got the feeling I shouldn't be used that much anyway you should know well, like, I mean, I mean I, I, man, I'm gonna tell you the truth about the last two ones we did. I'm just so happy to see John Bridges, man. I had yeah. to be like a party mode, dude. It just feels so good. And then, yeah. yeah, man, the feeling after getting on the conversation with the two of y'all, just having such a damn good time. It's hard to be focused. Man. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lonely time right now in a lot of ways. You oh, know, man. I'm just I, I have know. a family and kids. And a wife, but man, as far as uh, friends go, it gets it gets lonely. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and just to let you know, I think this is still going to cut us off in less than a minute, so we'll probably wrap it up here. But um, but yeah, it was it was good to have you because even if I do have to, and and a lot of times when you're talking, it worked perfectly. You know, I'll, I'll be able to use it. But even if it's times when I have to cut it out, at least it kept like John going some. And, and and I just enjoyed it so much last week. Like I said, this week I didn't even really think it was necessary, but I was like, let's fucking do it again anyway. I want to do it. It's fun. Hey, man, uh, if that if that little report on that, that one band 
you think is a no-go for the radio show. No no hard feelings at all, man. I knew that was a touchy subject when I wanted to talk about it, but I had to talk about it just to satisfy my urge to tell the story. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll listen back to it and we'll figure it out. Oh, shit. <laughs> This has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production.